Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Mark. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, let's thank our risen Savior tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're just so grateful and thankful that He opened our eyes and saved us and gave us a new life and a new purpose here on planet Earth. We're just so grateful. I'm so thankful for all the people that come and support this ministry at the core, one body. Many parts. We all need this to function properly. I want to thank all of you for being here tonight. If you have a cell phone, please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's service. And we'll always start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us this beautiful day today and this day of life, Lord. And the opportunity to gather together tonight, Lord, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and learn more and more about you, Lord, and place your name above all names, Father, even our own, as all of us fight to put you first in our lives, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for everyone that you take all the bitterness out of our hearts tonight, Lord, and fill it with your unconditional love, Lord, so we can receive the message that the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight, Father. And we pray for the people who are sick, Lord, that can't be here tonight, that they have the opportunity to watch the live feed, so they can get the message they need and get fed spiritually, Lord, so they can heal too. And we're grateful for all of that. We're grateful for our great nation where we can worship freely here, Lord. And I pray that you keep your hand of healing over our nation, Lord, for the sake of your believers, Lord. So we can bring others into your kingdom, Lord. And I pray for unity around the world, Lord, until our Lord and Savior comes back to prepare our hearts, Lord. So when we go home to be with you, Lord, so we can bring other people into your kingdom and glorify you. And as always, let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit, Father, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing. We are going to get started.
There was Jesus. Amen? Just remember, Jesus is not a feeling. Jesus is a fact. He promised He'd never leave us nor forsake us. And He'd guide us every step of the way if we would allow Him to. Amen? He trains us to go beyond our emotions and to walk by faith, not by sight. Thank you for that, Lord. How's everybody doing tonight, all right? Good to see everybody. What a beautiful day it was, huh? You can sense the fall coming, right? It's time to get a little relief, a little cooler, get a little dark a little earlier, but I, I love the fall. I love all the seasons. The seasons remind me of the seasons of life we all go through. God is training us to every situation in our lives. Don't you ever think that God's not in control of your life, because He is. He navigates, He plots, He courses, He's with us. It's all designed to change us and make us like His Son if we allow Him. Big amen there, right? All right, let us turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to start there tonight as we continue our study in the book of Mark. And if you haven't been with us on the study from the beginning, you can always go back to our archives and the, and the website. You can always go back and start from there. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 11, as I mentioned, the Holy Spirit will be taken over as I do go into the Scriptures, so please prepare your hearts, clear your minds, to receive the message the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. Amen? Okay. The devil's always going to try to distract you. You have to fight. Stay focused. There's a message everywhere for us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Peter's warning us as temporary residents. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. You know that the cares of this life always interfere with our walk with the Lord, how we're going to make money, who we work for, what are we producing, all these things get in the way of our walk with the Lord, and we should never put that in front of God. Amen? Yeah. Never. And it says in verse 12, Be careful to live properly among your unbeliever neighbors. So does living, is living right a condition of salvation? No, it is the result of your salvation. You live right because you are saved, and you want other people to see that you're saved, and you want other people to come into the kingdom, so you live a godly life so they can see that and come. And get a big amen for that. Amen. It's not a requirement, it's the fruit of our salvation. To prove that we are saved. It says to be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Why does it say to be careful? Because the spirit is always willing and the flesh is weak. Our flesh always tries to come back and ruin our testimony when we're not in church. Okay, get a big amen for that. Am I the only one that goes through this fight here? No, good. Then, look what it says. Even if they accuse you of doing wrong, and they will, they accuse Jesus of doing wrong, and he never did anything to anybody but help people. But people always take what we do out of context, and they always think that they're doing it for a purpose and there's something in it for them. And they always think what the worst is, not what the best is. And it says, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior 
and they will give honor to God when he judges the world or in the day of visitation. And here's another big one. Respecting people in authority. This is a big one for Christians, not only to respect the spiritual authority given to them in the church, but to respect the government authority that God puts in front of us because God is in control of the government that we are in right now. So we're not to accuse them or say anything or judge them. We're to pray for them and to live right and respect the authority above us. Amen? Amen. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. Everybody in this country has been appointed by God. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. Now you say, why would God put them people in there? Well, God allows things to happen for a reason. Number two, it's called free will. He gives people what they want. Remember in the Old Testament, they said, we want a king like the other nations. And God says, what do you need a king for? I'm in authority. of No, we still want a king. And he said, they're going to oppress you, take everything you own, and end up throwing you in prison. No, that's okay. We still want one. And we've been suffering for that ever since. Big amen there, right? We think some human being is going to be able to fix the problem in the world when only Jesus can fix it. Now, it says, For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. That's why, it, what is God's will? That I live an honorable life. It says it's God's will, look at verse 15, that your honorable life should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. So many times, people in the church use their grace through salvation from God as an excuse to do evil. And what does that do? It ruins the church, and it ruins the example of the church. Can I get an amen for this? It's very important that we live so we don't use our freedom as an excuse to do evil. So all oh, God covers it. Yeah, but he doesn't take away the consequences. Remember that. Look at verse 17. Respect everyone. Doesn't say just respect your Christian brothers and sisters. Respect everyone and love the family of believers or the brotherhood. Fear God and respect the king or respect the government above you. Big amen there, right? All right, look at verse 18. Slaves or employees must submit to your masters with all respect, or because you fear God. Or Greek reads all in, in all fear. Do what they tell you. Listen now. Listen, this is important. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased when you conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. So what does that tell us? We are going to have unjust treatment down here as Christians. Don't think you're going to escape it. It tells us right here to do the right thing no matter what's going on or whether you're getting respected or disrespected. You have no right to retaliate back with evil for evil. Make an amen for that. This is what the Bible teaches us. And if we believe that, we live what we believe. 
Now it says in verse 19, God is pleased when you're conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. Well, I'm not saying you're getting beaten, but say you get um, convicted for doing something wrong. It says, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you, listen now, Listen to me here. Has everybody got my? Have everybody's attention here? Because I think Christians have holy. Forget about these things that the Bible tells us to do. Don't forget what it's saying here. It says, "For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered, or just as Christ died for you. He is your example. Who's the example? Jesus is our example. Not people. Not the church." Jesus Christ is your example as a believer on how you should live. Can I get an amen for this? We don't compare ourselves to other people. We put ourselves against the cross. And you must, look what it says. It doesn't say you should follow in his steps. It says he is your example and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. And he's quote in Isaiah 53, 9. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. Why did he do that? So we could be dead to sin and to live for what is right. By his, and it's by his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away. But now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your soul. So I'll put a big amen for that. So, the Bible tells us to live right. To, do we have to live right to get saved? Is living right legalism? No, living right is not legalism. Living, living right is the result of our salvation because we love God and we want to bring others into the kingdom. Amen. We do it because we want to live right, not because we have to. Amen? It's not, nothing to do with legalism. Living right is a result of our salvation. He saved us from ourselves. We couldn't live right before we found him. Now that we did, he gives us the power to live the way he wants us to do it. Amen? All right, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I got one for us now. <laughs> Let the Spirit speak, amen? If you notice, I don't really tickle too many ears in here, do I? No. I don't scratch your ears to tell you what you want to hear. God calls me up here to tell you what you need to hear. Not what you want to hear. And if it's hitting you between the eyes and convicting you, amen. Thank God that His Spirit is still convicting you. Because if you don't get convicted, that means the Holy Spirit is not working in you and you're dull. And your conscience has been seared with the hot iron. So thank God for conviction. Is conviction bad for a believer? No. Conviction is a must and a necessity for a believer so we can get back on track because we all wander. All right, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. 
but one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in, sp- in response to pressure for the Lord loves a person who gives cheerfully. Proverbs 22 verse 8. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. And he's quoting Psalm 112 verse 9. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity or great harvest of righteousness in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. Now, is giving a ministry? Absolutely. It's absolutely necessary that the ministry of giving keeps the church going to meet the needs of the people, amen, in the church. The needs of the believers. In, look, so two, two, two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And then they will, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. What is the Bible trying to say? Am I just to give money? No, it's not just money, but that is necessary to keep the church going. But he says, if you give generously, you will receive a harvest of blessing. If you don't give up, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to get like 10? A lot of people get this, take this out of context. If you give me a thousand, you're going to get 10 grand back. It's going to come mysteriously in a check somewhere. It doesn't work that way, okay? And this is, no, you watch it, it's all over the TV. And people actually do it. They think, they, they think it's like going to the casino. They say, you're going to throw the money out. I'm going to give a thousand and Jesus is going to throw ten back at me. I'm going to hit the, I'm going to hit the jackpot. They seriously really believe that. So they go and do it, right? And they get zilch back, right? And then they give, they, they fuel somebody's jet in their, in their mansion where Jesus didn't have nowhere to lay his head. Then you get a ministry that teaches truth and has to struggle all the way through it because people think, well, how come, how come, how come they're not doing They must be in it for now. Why are they doing it for free? And then the people don't give. It's, it's crazy. People give to the worst ministries and the ones that teach the truth get this much. The ones that lie get this much. And I'm saying, what's wrong with this picture? And that's the truth. And they always think there's a conspiracy going on somewhere because somebody's doing something for free. No, we do something for free because Jesus died for me for free. So I do it for free. Why is there going to be something in it? That's evil. That's evil and it's from the devil when people think that. And there's places that'll fleece you and fleece you, just give them money for snake oil and prayer cloths and everything else. And people are sending in checks and donations. 
I mean, there was, there was 600 grand falling behind a toilet in one of the churches. They didn't even know it was missing. $600,000 was behind the urinal. And they didn't even notice it was missing. They found it like 10 years later when the plumber had to replace the valve. Six hundred thousand. Well, look, we get six six dollars. Not saying that we don't need it, but it costs money to keep things going and keep things flowing. Internet services, ministry, lights, materials to buy things. It costs money to keep it going. Everybody thinks that spirituality is free. You know, it costs sacrifice and time and people's talent and treasure to keep this going. When you come in and sit down and read the Bible, everything's comfortable for you. People are sweating and dying so you can have that. So it's always be remember that when you give. To give generously because God sees everything. Amen? He sees everything and he knows everything. It seems like some people just forget. Oh, I forgot my wallet at home. I went to church. Can I wash dishes for that? <laughs> I'm washing dishes. This is what people do because they think there's something in it. So they won't get it. That's crazy. But that's okay. Guess what God sees. And I'll tell you what. This ministry's been going. Even though it's been hanging, it's the God still provides for it. Amen? He never gives us too much or never too little. Amen? So thank you, Jesus. And thank you for the faithful people that love God enough to keep it going. Amen? Thank you. All right. Let's go to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to begin in Mark chapter 5 tonight. I'm going to summarize it a little bit. There's going to be a lot of stops along the way on this because Mark chapter 5 has a lot of stuff in here and I don't want anybody to miss any of this, this chapter. So I'm just going to summarize it a little bit. Mark is the story of what Jesus did for us, okay? The author, which is John Mark, wrote this book based on the Apostle Peter's memories of Jesus' words and deeds. Mark is the second gospel an account of Jesus' life and ministry. In the New Testament, like other Gospels, Mark records Jesus' life, his miracles, his betrayal, his death, his resurrection, and commission. However, Mark's Gospel is very brief, nearly half as long as Luke, and focuses more on things Jesus did than things Jesus said. Okay? Mark's stories are not arranged chronologically, Instead, they are put together to give us a quick, accurate view of Jesus. The gospel emphasizes two important characteristics of Jesus Christ. His authority as the Son of God is the first one. And the second one, his compassionate service to people, particularly in miracles. As you read Mark, you'll see the word immediately repeated often. Mark is a quick, urgent, bold message about who Jesus is and what he did for us. And the biggest theme verse of Mark is, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And so why was Mark written? Mark opens with a quick overview of what the book is about. Okay? The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Every passage in Mark, every miracle, every conversation, every deed points back to Jesus' authority as the Son of God. Mark is a brief synopsis of Jesus 
It could have been meant for reading in one sitting or allowed to an audience. It's an exciting account of the Son of God that could speak to the Jews and the non-Jews of Mark's day. Big thing there, right? All right, let's break into Mark chapter 5. Is everybody with me so far tonight? Okay. God is good, amen? <laughs> Even when we're not. Isn't it a relief to know that he's not judging us on our performance? Do you realize that if you're a perfectionist and think that he's judging you on your performance, you're going to have the most miserable Christian life. But if you understand his grace and mercy is designed to help us to overcome over time as we walk with him till we go home to be with him, every day is a new day and a fresh start. Thank you, Jesus. He never condemns us. He never says, oh, I should have did better. You should have been this. Or I should have known better. How many of us still beat ourselves up when we fall short every day? You know what I'm talking about, right? Including myself at times, by the way. Including myself at times. Then the scripture comes back to me. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power works best. In your weakness. So when I can admit that I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Amen? So don't ever give up. Because let me tell you something. As soon as you get the truth, the devil is going to try to make you give up and base your Christian walk on your performance. And you're going to start get. it's going to get worse before it gets better. It always gets worse before it gets better because he's trying to crucify your flesh and make your spirit come alive. And to crucify the flesh is painful. So you have to understand we have to go through that process. Everybody has to go through it. Amen? So hang in there, believer. Okay. Verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil or unclean spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. Now, before I go on, this is very important to understand this now. Although we cannot be sure, now listen, we cannot be sure why demon possession occurs. We know that evil spirits can use the human body to distort and destroy people's relationship with God and likeness to him. Can I get an amen for this? Even today, demons are dangerous, powerful, and destructive. While it is important to recognize their evil activity, we should avoid any curiosity about or involvement with demonic forces or the occult, like it tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 10 to 12. And it says, if we resist the devil and his influences, he will flee from us. And that's a promise from James chapter 4, verse 7. Can I get an amen for this? It tells us to resist the devil and he will flee. And how do we resist the devil? With scripture. For it is written. For it is written. Jesus went back to Deuteronomy every time to, to fight the devil off. And he's going to try to get to you and you can't fight him in the flesh. It has to be through what? Scripture. That's why it's so important to have the scriptures circulating in the mind when the wrong voices come in. Can I get an amen for this? That's why we strengthen ourselves spiritually. Look at verse 
3. Everybody with me so far? This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained. Imagine he was so possessed. See, here's what happens with sin. It possesses you so much when you keep sinning that you cannot restrain from it and you can't even keep from sinning in church. That's how powerful it is. It will take over you. It will take over your mind, then it will take over your body, and then it will take over your actions. If you continue to let sin enter into you, even as a saved creature. Can I get an amen for this? It could no longer be restrained even with the chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. No one in the human strength was able to subdue this man's possessed by the devil. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Just imagine what the devil, what the demons can do to you. You see people have it all the time. People cut themselves. See, everybody thinks that being possessed by the devil is somebody turning green, spinning their head around 360, and spitting pea soup out of their mouth. That's not what a possession is. When you start doing things that are harmful to yourself, okay, and to others, you are possessed by a demon. It's causing you to hurt yourself and to other people in ways that you would never do if you weren't. And, and is it always with is it always with, with our fist? No. It's what comes out of our mouth. You can cut somebody and you could be demonic by what? Anger and bitterness and rage and resentment and gossip and slander and destroy a church. Just by what comes out of your mouth and what you tell people. Don't think that you're possessed by God when you're degrading someone in the church or talking bad about a pastor or saying anything about anybody in the church. You are being possessed by the devil. Don't you think you're representing God? You are possessed by the devil. Can I get an amen for this? Gossip and slander is from the devil. Don't think because you come to church and you talk about people that you're saved. That means nothing. Nothing. You're, you know what proves you're saved? What comes out of your mouth. What proves that you're saved. Can I get an amen for this? Listen to this now. Now in verse 2, and three, Mark focuses on Jesus, okay? The evil, literally unclean, also in Mark's spirit, had great strength. But Jesus' authority was even greater. Now let's keep reading on. Look at verse 6. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you not to torture, don't torture me. So how did the demon know who Jesus was? Jesus never mentioned his name. They knew. Now, listen up. Before we go on. The demon screamed at Jesus, why are you interfering with me? Listen to what he did. It was a shriek of fear, defense, and rebellion against God. No one today would like to admit to being demon-possessed. Listen to me now. But 
most of our society, like the demon, is screaming at God, at the church, and Christian values. Right? Why are you interfering with me? Get out of my life. When people reject Jesus Christ and his authority, they put themselves on the side of the demons and are heading in the same direction. Every person must ask, will I choose autonomy and self-will leading to destruction, or will I choose Christ's loving leadership over my life, giving me forgiveness, healing from sin, cleansing, and true freedom? The answer has internal implications. So now why do you talk about Jesus? What do they do? People bash the church. They bash the ministry. They do the same thing when they say, don't, why are you talking? Don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me how to live. I can live my own life. I don't have to submit to any church. Why do I got to go to church? What do you think that is? That's demon possession. Telling people that I'm going to be God, not you. I'm not going to accept the authority of the church. I'm going to accept the authority of the devil. Can I get an amen for this? Is anybody perfect in this room? No. No. How many of us are rebels and rebellious against God in the church and his people? You take a look in the mirror and say, wow, I thought I was helping people. All I am is hurting people and degrading God's house by what comes out of my mouth. Gossip and slander is the most evil thing that can occur in a church, destroying it. Make any man for this. And if you are, all I can say is repent before worse things happen to you. Because God always protects his chosen ones. How about an amen for that? I know it as well as I do. My ears have been ringing a lot as a pastor. People come up and they say things about me. Jesus says, don't worry, John, I got your back. If they hated you, they're going to hate. If they hated me, they're going to hate you too. Even Christians are not living right. They're going to hate you for teaching truth. And I say, okay, Lord. He hardened my forehead. <laughs> because you could tell, you never hear me preaching these, <laughs> don't worry, it's okay. No, no. Smarten up, repent, get on your knees and beg God for forgiveness and get back in line before it gets worse for you. That's just the way it is. Let the Spirit speak, amen? amen. Look at verse 8. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Just imagine, when you come to Jesus and you really believe in him, he will take the demons out of you. You have to believe it, though. If you don't believe it, then they won't come out. You have to believe that he has the power to kill you and resurrect you again, to be born again, free of that. And he has the power to do it. And what's the whole thing that holds us back? Unbelief. Well, I don't feel it. It's not a feeling. It's a fact. It's a fact that you are delivered. You are delivered if you believe it. You're delivered from porn. You're delivered from sexual lust. You're delivered from drugs. You're delivered from jealousy. You're delivered from gossip. You're delivered from slander. Well, why am I still doing it? Because you don't believe it. That's why you're still doing it. If you believe it, then you won't be doing it anymore. And then I say, well, I do believe it. No, you don't believe it because you're still doing it. If you believed it, it wouldn't happen anymore. 
You get it? We fool ourselves in thinking that we believe something when we really don't believe it and it's shown by the way we're living. Can I get amen for this? Oh, I believe that I believe it, but what comes out of my mouth tells me that I don't. You have to listen to what you're saying. Listen, people can point out what's wrong with everybody in the room, but when it comes to looking in the mirror at what's coming out of their mouth, they don't even know what it is. They don't even hear themselves because they're too busy pecking at someone else's life instead of evaluating their own. Can I get an amen for that one? All right, so that's the demons. Now, in verse 5, in verse 8, Despite the man's horrible condition, listen to me now. Jesus has come and provided him a glimmer of hope. Okay? He ran and knelt before Jesus seeking help. Son of the Most High God, evil spirits know Jesus' true identity. There was no struggle. Jesus was in charge and the evil spirit obeyed the master. Torture is the final judgment awaiting evil spirits. Like it tells us in Matthew 8.29 and Luke 8.31. Don't you worry. The evil spirits are going to get judged too. Amen? Don't you let them possess you. Stay close to God. And stay close to that Bible as you can. And stay as close to fellow believers as you can. He tells us to gather in the church so we don't get picked off. That's why we gather. Every time the door of a church opens, a believer should be there. Why? To get strengthened against the enemy. Why is the church not full? Because they think they can do it without it. And you can't do it without Jesus. And you can't do it without our fellowship of brothers and sisters. People that are fighting this war know that when the church opens, I need to be there. Or else I'm going to get overcome. And every time it doesn't come, every time you're not here, you already did get overcome. Just as admit it. Because I put something over God. Thinking I did something for God. Remember Apostle Paul? He was killing Christians. Saying, oh I know what I'm doing. I'm serving God. He was killing God's people. And thought he was serving God. How many times do people think to themselves, oh I'm doing God's service. That's why I'm not in church. No, that's not why you're not in church. The devil has you. You're living a lie. And you're not living according to what the Bible tells you to do. You're doing it your way and not God's way. How about an amen for that? And the people that are saved and know it, they come faithfully because they know there is no other way but the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? And the life comes from the pulpit. That's why what the Spirit is trying to say to the church. If you're not in church, you're not listening to the right spirits. There's a lot of spirits out there and they sound like truth. But who's it the spirit of? The Antichrist. Now, listen to this. Look at verse 9 now. Is everybody with me so far? I'm not going into this, this because this is an important chapter about legion. Now, Jesus demanded, what is your name? Verse 9. Listen to this now. Don't let me lose you. Listen to what it's saying. And he replied, my name is legion because there are many of us inside this man. Think about it. How many demons were inside you or continue to still be in you that have not been cleansed from you? Now, what can I say is a demon? Well, are you still bitter and angry towards people? Are you still jealous and vindictive? Are you still full of gossip and slander? Well, you're still possessed. 
Because Jesus, did Jesus do any of that? No, because if you're not possessed and your spirit is free, you're acting like Jesus, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. You're with fellowship with other believers because of your love. You're not making excuses, lying, telling lies, cheating, stealing, doing all other crazy lustful things, saying that I'm not possessed. There's only one thing that should be possessing you. Jesus Christ. Now, listen, what is he talking about now? In verse 9, the evil spirit said his name was Legion. Okay? Now, what is Legion? Legion, now listen what Legion was. Legion was the largest unit of the Roman army, consisting of 3,000 to 6,000 soldiers. This man was possessed by many demons. That's why he called them Legion. That's what he compared it to. The Roman soldiers, three to 6,000 of them. Then, look at verse 10. The evil spirits begged him, and again, not to send them to some distant place. <laughs> now, is everybody with me here? Don't let me lose you now. I'm not done here. Look at verse 10. Now, in verse 10, Mark often highlights the supernatural struggle between Jesus and Satan. He always highlights it. The demon's goal was to control the humans they inhabited. Jesus' goal was to give people freedom from sin and Satan's control. Okay? The demons knew that they had no power over Jesus, so they simply begged not to be sent to some distant place, which is the bottomless pit in Luke chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus granted their request to enter into the herd of pigs but ended their destructive work in people, okay? He got, them out of, he got the demon out of the person, sent them into the pits. Now, why did he put them in pits? Let's figure this out now. There's a lot of stuff here. That's why I don't want to rush through it. Can I get any for this? Okay. Jesus granted their request to enter the herd of pigs, but ended their destructive work in people. Perhaps Jesus let the demons destroy the pigs to demonstrate his own superiority over a very powerful yet destructive force. He could have sent them to hell, but he didn't, because the time for judgment had not yet come, and in the end, the devil and all his demons will be sent into eternal fire. Matthew 25, verse 41. Can I get an amen here? Amen. No, I'm not done yet. So look at verse 11. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirit begged. Let us enter them. Now, why would the spirits want to go into pigs? Doesn't make any sense, does it? Why would they want to go into pigs? Let's find out. According to Old Testament law, Leviticus 11.7, pigs were unclean animals. This meant that they could not be eaten or even touched by a Jew. This incident took place southeast of the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Gerasenes, a Gentile region, which explains how a herd of pigs could be involved. Because they wouldn't have a herd of pigs if they were Jews, because they couldn't eat pigs. You understand? He was trying to say he was there for the Gentiles too, to help them. See, you got it? No, I'm not done yet here. No. 
See, there's all these little things that we never even thought about, right? You just read right through it, right? And don't see what their significance is. But everything in the Bible has significance. That's why you have to keep reading it over and over again. And as you grow spiritually, those things will be revealed to you. You don't have to go to a commentary or somewhere else to read it. God wants to speak to you himself through his word. And most people, they start going through scripture. To, to go to sermons or some commentary to try to figure out what it is instead of letting God mature you on your own and tell you what it is eventually when you're ready to receive it. Can I get an amen for this? People want to get more knowledge before they're ready for it. That's the problem. Big amen there. Now, look at verse 13. So Jesus gave them permission the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. They had to get permission. You remember that now, right? Listen, they have to get permission. And, and, and the entire herd of pigs, about 2,000 pigs, plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Now, the spirits' persistent begging, okay, listen now, shows Jesus' mastery over them. Okay, they were permitted to enter a herd of about 2,000 pigs whose presence marks this as a Gentile territory. Jesus was already helping the Gentiles back then. See it? See, no. So some have focused on the economic loss of the pigs or have speculated about why Jesus let the demons destroy them. But Mark and his readers were interested in how Jesus saved the man. That's what people were interested in, not about the pigs, or why would he let the pigs die. There's people that care more about animals than they do about human life. It's crazy. There's people who say, oh, I can't see something get run over. I'd rather let a person get run over than the dog or the cat. Are you serious? You really possess that much? Back in the Old Testament, no, I don't care if this hurts you or not, dogs were considered unclean animals. And people wouldn't even, even think, when they call somebody a dog, that was the lowest form of life altogether. And there's people today, they worship their dog like it's a person. When they will take it over a human being's life, and that's right in the Bible. And it's crazy that somebody would think like that over a human being, over a human life. That's definitely possession. Mark and his readers were interested in how Jesus saved the man, not the pigs or the animals. Can I get an amen for this? There's a lot of times when people feel more bad about animals than they do for people. Do you really think that's from God? No, animals were put there so we could eat them. For food. All right, verse 14. See how twisted our minds can get, though? You see how twisted our minds can get? Really? Verse 14. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside. Spreading the news as they ran, people rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Just imagine from seeing this wild man, years, busting chains and everything, just sitting down in the chair saying, hey, what's happening, bro? How are you doing today? <laughs> they were like what the heck who is this guy that did that 
Think about it. Now, Jesus saves you. We were all wild animals at one time too. Right? Now let me ask you this. When you're sitting down, do people see Jesus or do they still see that wild animal? That's the question. Have you been delivered is the question. Or are you still that wild animal that's saying I believe in Jesus but still wild as the animal was? Don't deceive yourself. Somebody that's truly saved by Jesus, now does it happen overnight? No, but something starts to happen. You no longer want to be that way anymore. You start to get convicted. Oh, thank you, Lord, for conviction. And things start to change. And it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. So don't beat yourself up when you're still doing some things. The thing of it is, to show that you have the Holy Spirit means... That you're, it's no longer sinning right with you anymore. You don't like the fact that you're like that anymore. You don't like the fact that you're doing these things. But you're still doing them because you have a sin nature. So that proves that you have the Holy Spirit in you. Don't think because you're still doing it, you don't have it. The conviction shows that you do. That you no longer want to do that anymore. And you're trying to live a life worthy of the call. The problem is you're trying to do it in the flesh. You can't overcome your sin nature in the flesh. You have to develop your strength in Jesus Christ and his word. Amen? You can't do it in the, strength, in the flesh. How many of us try to do things by willpower? Really? I'm going to be good today. I'm going to be happy and I'm going to tell everybody I love Jesus today. <laughs> then, you get out, then you open your eyes. Then you get out there. The dog poops on the floor. Your wife starts yelling at you, why don't you put them sacks away? Then what's next? Jesus goes out the window right away. How fast does Jesus go out the window? You get a flat tire or some adversity happens. How fast in the flesh does it take for us to get out of God's will? I'll give us... Five minutes, maybe, when you get out of the house. And then you keep trying to fight this the same way over and over again saying, tomorrow I'm going to do it. Tomorrow I'm going to do it. I can do this. You, are, you, are, you, are you listening to yourself? You can't do it. That's your stubborn pride telling you that you can be like Jesus without him. That's just what the devil thought. You can't overcome your sin nature through willpower. It's called self-control. And that's the only way that's developed? By letting God control your life. And how does God control your life? By whatever the Bible says, that's the way I'm going to do it. And when you do it that way, your life goes well. When you do it your way, your life goes to hell. Hey, that rhymes. Can I get an amen for this? You know what happens? People get stuck with religion. They think because they're coming to church and Bible study that they're getting stronger spiritually. That is not what makes you stronger spiritually. What makes you stronger spiritually is when you get it, absorb it, and remember it when the day of evil comes and you use it. That's when you start to grow. Not by how many times you come to church or not by some seniority, how long I've been saved. That means nothing in the kingdom of God. There's people that walk through the door, accept Jesus as their Savior, and start living for him immediately. Remember he told Peter, drop the net and come follow me. 
They didn't say, let me think about it, let me go home and let me get my life in order for us like most people do in church. They drop what they're doing and follow. If you do it that way, you'll grow faster than you ever could imagine. But when we still think we got something in us and we got to handle things our way first, then you don't. Can I get an amen for that? Preaching my heart over here, you know. This wasn't rehearsed. <sighs> Let the Spirit speak. Is everybody getting what I'm trying to say here? So many Christians think they arrived because they've been, I've been saved for 30 years. Please, whatever you do, please don't come up and tell me how long you've been saved because you're only going to embarrass yourself. It's very embarrassing to tell people you've been saved for so many years with the behaviors that you still have. So just shut your mouth and say, today is sufficient. I'm saved today. Because yesterday's, Yesterday's work won't save me for today, the Bible says. It's every day is renewed. Amen? <laughs> I love you. Jesus loved his people. God loved all his people. He wasn't like, that's okay. Look what he did to Job. Remember? He took everything from him. At the end, did he say, it's okay, Job. I know it was hard for you. He said, sit down. I got some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I put this all together? You questioning your creator. You, who, you're, you're, you're questioning the guy, the creator, on how the clay should be molded. And he knows how to mold you. I get an amen for that one. <laughs> right. Believe me, am I any different than you? No, I struggle with this too. Why do you think I'm preaching it? Because I struggle with the same stuff. Paul said he was the worst one of them all. Because he was. He admitted he was. Can you admit how bad you really are? Or are you going to come up here and tell me, I've been a Christian for 30 years, I'm not that bad anymore. <laughs> and I don't have to come to church anymore. I don't have to read my Bible as much anymore because I've arrived. And all I do is help people now. But I can't even help myself. Blind leading the blind. There's more Pharisees in church than there are saved ones. You get an amen for this. I'm saying, Lord, where'd that come from? Somebody asked me what I preached tonight. I ain't going to be able to tell you because it wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit. And I hope, I hope it touched you. And they got between the eyes and said, look, I need to do some repenting. I need to go before the Lord. I need to stop playing church. I need to get real. Time is short. People need to get saved, including myself. So I need to stop living what I believe. I need to stop being what I claim that I am instead of letting people know that, oh, just come to church. No, you are the church. Remember, if they're not coming here, you're bringing the church to them. And that's what they're seeing. And why they're not coming in the door? Because they're recognizing you as the church and saying, I ain't going to that church. Then you have to say to yourself, I got some changing to do. So people want to come to church. Not because they have to, because they want to, because they see something different in me. I'm an actual witness of what Jesus did in my life. So they can get free from the demons that are in their life. Amen? How can you set, how can you set anybody free from demons if you're still full of them? And that's what people do in church. I'm going to go help everybody, but I'm still possessed. But I didn't get the help I needed first. I'm blind, but I'm going to try to, I'm going to get the, the, tube, the, the, the speck out of my friend's eye when I got railroad ties coming out of mine. And I'm going to say, I'm going to help you. 
You remember, you ever watch one of them Dracula movies where the priest tries to throw holy water on him and the, and the devil and the, and the Dracula doesn't even flinch? He says, you're full of it. You don't believe it, so it doesn't have any power. You see, but the true believer has power. And it has, shows power that you can save a life and resurrect a new life because your life is saved and resurrected. But if it's not saved and resurrected, no one else's is coming either. Can I get an amen for this? So here's what I ask you to do. When you go home, look in the mirror. Don't look at your problems or the people around you. Look in the mirror and say, Lord, what do I need to change to become more like you today? And guess what, Lord? I can't do it, so I'm depending on you to do it, and I'm recognizing what it is. Show me what it is and change me and do as you will with me. Here I am, Lord. Use me. That's what you have to do when you go home. Don't be talking about the people you saw at church. Talk about yourself and see what the heck is wrong with me. Because when you can see your problems more than someone else's, then you know you're making progress. But all, all you do is see what's wrong with other people. You're blind and you're in denial over your own sins. And that's a fact. All right, let's close there. Dave, you want to come up and close us? And we're going to have a video. Thank you for letting me share that, by the way. We can bow our heads for prayer. My Lord Jesus, thank you for allowing us to safely congregate together in your house. Once again, to hear a message from you. My Lord Jesus, you remain faithful to us. You remain honest, patient, and merciful. Help us to be the same for you. Let us acknowledge our sins. Help us to understand ourselves and you even more. Help us to be the very light and the very love that you are, both eternally and externally, Lord, so other people can see you inside of us and to give honor and glory all to you. My Lord Jesus, there might be so pride, or there probably is so pride in all of us. It's a poison, a poison that hurts our spirit, that gives you grief, it causes grief to others. Help us to acknowledge us as sin and get rid of it, because you're the cure to not only pride, but to any sin that exists. Thank you for that freedom. Thank you for that cure, and thank you for just helping us to continue to grow in spiritual maturity and in your heavenly wisdom. And I pray, Lord Jesus, let us put you first in all that we do, and I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, David. All right. We're going to stand. We're going to play a video.